Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 332 is episode 164, Money Motivation for Moms with Kat Collins. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are replaying a episode that I personally very much liked and wanted to replay for all the moms that were not with us when this originally aired several years ago. And by not with us, you mean just didn't hear it yet. Not with not frugal friends listeners or maybe not moms two Mm, years ago. New moms. Yes. Old moms. So this is from my friend Kat Collins, previously Kat Alford when we recorded the episode, but she wrote a book on money for moms. And I felt so the interview was great, but I felt even more the end of the episode was really cathartic, really necessary, and received emails after the episode specifically thanking us for the conversation we had at the end of the episode. So if you are a new mom, you know a new mom, you want to be a mom, this is a really good episode to continue with. But first, this episode is brought to you by bread. I will take it over dessert any day, especially if it's crunchy, flaky, soft, warm. And for all you moms out there, go ahead, just serve bread for dinner. No one's going to complain about that. And if you need more bread inspo, like how to make bread, save bread, or butter that bread, check out our friend letter. We're in your inbox three times a week with freebies, tips to save money, and ways to spend better. Get that bread for free, aka no bread, out of your pocket for this friend little letter, frugalfriendspodcast.com slash friend letter. I like bread. We alternate weeks writing the friend letter and you can tell the weeks that Jill writes it, lots of bread, lots of talk about bread. <laughs> bread hot yeah. dogs, butter. I mean, it's those not just those things. So if you hate themes. those things, still get the friend letter because there's also free stuff. Everyone likes free. Yes. But those are strong themes on Jill Weeks. So frugalfriendspodcast.com slash friend letter. 
But if you are looking for more female-centric episodes to queue up, we've got 331 of them. Because we are females talking on the podcast. We are females. And we know that most of our audience are females or female identifying. And we we love girl power. But a couple of our episodes that might be more appropriate, maybe, or more focused on that. Episode 317, When Women Have Money with Jean Chatsky. Episode 203, How Maggie Paid Off Her Mortgage as a Divorced Single Mom. That one, great, especially if you're a, like a breadwinning mom. That is a good one. Brad, look at your tie-in to Brad. Oh, yeah. See, we can't not me. talk about it. Ayo, let's get into this episode with our friend Kat Collins. Kat, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. We're so excited to have you here. Wow, thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm excited to be here. Kat, I think that this is a message and a topic that so many people want to hear about. So we're really looking forward to hearing more of what what's in your book and more of the behind the scenes about that. So thanks for coming on. Sure. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So first, I think it'd be an interesting story. Tell us how you got interested in personal finance. Yeah. Well, I got into personal finance in sort of a backwards way. I actually went to school for history. I went to graduate school for history, thinking I would be a curator, work in museums, do education. And I started a blog when I was super broke in my graduate school program. I was making $12,000 a year in my teaching assistant stipend. And so as a bit of a creative outlet to take a break from all the like really dense historical theory, I just started showing my thrift store finds and like the first apartment I ever had by myself and all these different things. And it sort of blossomed. And then I started freelance writing to supplement that $12,000 income. And I guess because I was writing about money, it served as a portfolio. And that's like what I had to pitch to potential jobs. And it it just sort of took off from there. And instead of working in museums, I ended up, um, you know, moving abroad or my husband went to school, kept writing. And by the time I came back to the States, I was making enough money to have it as my full-time job. You know, along the way, like people would assign me articles that I knew nothing about. Like, hey, could you write an article about mortgages? I really like how you write. And I'd never had a mortgage before in my entire life. But because I was a historian and knew how to research, I'd be like, totally, I can write about your mortgages. Totally, I can write about... I mean, I remember writing about Roth IRA for the first time and having no idea what that was. So over the course of like a decade of doing this, I learned a lot along the way. And um, now I do this full time. Yeah, that's similar to how I learned a lot about personal just finance. Reading. That's what I can tell. Just read. Right. It's <laughs> right. a lot of research yeah. and a lot of Googling. Yeah. I loved the story in your book where you were, um, you were in, what is it, the Caribbean. Yeah. And you kind of had this backwards way of like, some people will work and do a side hustle to try and leave their job. And yeah. you were there and you're like, well, there's no jobs for me here, yeah. so I'm just going to have to like 
do it myself. Yep. I would just, I mean, my husband, you know, was in his first two years of medical school down there. And I used to just sit next to him. He'd study for hours and hours and hours. And I just sat next to him and just kept pitching freelance writing jobs. Like we had no money. And I'd be so excited. I'd be like, oh, this one's going to pay me $12 for a post. And I felt like a real writer, you know, but that's how it started. And it was just that hustle. I had no distractions, nothing else to do, no malls. I just, I just spent that whole first two years as a growth phase and it, and it led to what I do now. Just getting thrown into the fire. I feel like I hear this so often from people. I didn't really know it, but I knew that I had the tools to figure it out. And I think that that applies to pretty much any field, especially right. with the amount of information we have available to us. It's okay if you don't feel like an expert immediately. Just start reading, start researching, watch videos, learn from others, and you can become the expert that you want to be amazing what we can pull out of your story. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, we all have these moments like, am I qualified to write a money book? Like, should I? But I I included the story. I included like how it came to be and that I, you know, actually have like liberal arts degrees to kind of show people that like, if I started like that and ended up writing a money book, like you can learn this. You can, you know, start from nothing and gather, gather the knowledge enough to then teach others over time. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. Kat, why did you see a need for a personal finance book specifically geared towards moms? Can you talk about that a bit? Well, you know, there's a lot of advice geared towards moms, but I felt like it wasn't high level enough. Like I would read all these articles and I'd read other people's blog posts and be like, hey, moms, here's some ways to save money. And it'd be like, so when you go to the grocery store, you know, write your list and do this and don't forget your coupon book. And, you know, I felt like, of course, moms like can figure that out on their own. But I was missing the language that would speak to moms as if they were like highly intelligent powerhouses, totally capable of more complex money decisions than just going to the grocery store. And so I just wanted to, you know, bring that to the market because I wanted to show moms that they were capable of kind of taking a leadership position when it came to money. And that even if they knew nothing about it, starting the book, that they were more than capable of getting there. Mm. Yeah. I just feel empowered listening to you talk like this. (laughs) Yes, queen. Let's do it. So many, so many moms, like, stay-at-home moms, homeschooling, whatever, they're college-educated. Yeah, They're smart. It's like <laughs> we have this stereotype yes. place in us that, like, like moms, especially stay-at-home moms, just went to college to get a husband, and that's absolutely not true. Right. They're highly educated and choose they've made their own life choices. Right, right. They made, but they haven't like, they haven't lost themselves. Like their brains are right. still in there, you know, foggy, <laughs> foggy on some days, you know, taking care of kids, but still in there. And I mean, I'm always like, I'm always about like high expectations of myself, of others. And I, even with my friends, you know, I'm like, you can do more, you can learn more. And I think all of us have the potential to really learn about this stuff. I love what you said there. And I do think it's a bit of a controversial piece, 
but I'm going to go with it because okay. once we explain it more, I think we'll, we get it. The do more. You can yeah. do more. I think that that's initially a statement that's like, no, stop telling mm-hmm. women that they need to do more. Stop oh, yeah. telling moms that they need to do more. But I so agree with you mm. in the sense of there is more available to you. And I think that mm-hmm. what we're talking about is one of the things that can lead to so much difficulty internally and possibly even externally for specifically moms who are trying to juggle so many things. I mean, what's on everybody's plate is different, but a lot of times, especially where there is just this expectation to raise children, there's all these other aspects of a woman's personhood Mm -hmm. that then get missed, that feel stifled, that lead to feeling stuck, that feel like I'm not operating to my fullest potential. And yet society is saying, no, but this thing should fulfill you. So stop complaining and just like do more in your home. And I I think what you're describing here is there's more than just grocery shopping. You are capable of more and there are outlets for more and like helping people rise to that next level is beautiful. And I think it allows those outlets that moms need to be able to feel their fullest self. Right. This is about fulfillment. And this isn't about um, do more as in like, let's add 10 more things to your list. Mm -hmm. This is about, you know, in those quiet moments during the day or in the evening, when you have the thought to yourself, like, is this really all this is? Is this all it's going to be? And you wonder if you're the only one that thinks like that. Like, these are the moments that I'm like, you know, yeah, you went to college, you graduated with like seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Like, you can still pick up something new. You can still like enhance your life. Like, it wasn't like this part of your life, you were a student and you learned, and now you're in this motherhood part. You know, you still have all your interests. And I, I think um, stay-at-home moms, working moms, I just think we all need to have something just just for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if your your day is 90% kids, I still think you should have like a little 10% of something just for you because our kids aren't always going to be here under our roofs, you know? Mm-hmm. And when they leave, if that was all your life was wrapped up in them all the time, you're going to have this really empty feeling when they go and they go off to college. And so I try to keep pieces for me along the way so that there's, you know, stuff to do when they go. <laughs> mine, are going, mine, mine are going at the same time. So <laughs> yes, you have twins I for do. those who don't know, which yeah. is so fun and so terrifying. <laughs> Every day. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That. <laughs> I mean, I so agree with you. And I think sometimes it can definitely make you feel a little guilty to try and keep that peace for yourself. Totally. And I know Jill, like, helps me with this all the time because I feel so much guilt for like, I think I should be able to do it all, all the time. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, it's okay for Travis to watch Kai because he is, he made half of him, (laughs) you know? So like, it's okay. It's not babysitting when the father is watching the kids. She literally had to tell me that the other day. It's not babysitting when the father is watching (laughs) We were at a pool and she's like, I abandoned my child. I was like, you need to get that language like out of your head and out of your mouth. I wasn't saying it dramatically. You were sitting by the side of the pool while your husband is with your son. You abandoned nobody. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's hard. I mean, we place a lot of pressure on ourselves. And, you know, even if you have a really um, even distribution of labor in your house, some people have more than others, you know, 
moms still feel like the primary parent, default parent. And that's just kind of the way our culture and society has has evolved. And to even push back against it a little bit just feels weird and feels wrong. But yeah, it's hard for me too. You know, it's hard for me to, I just recently told my husband, you know, I'm going to be like a day at a hotel soon, you know, <laughs> like, um, it doesn't have to, you know, it does, it can be five minutes away, but I think I need, what I was hoping for was 24 hours without having to like have the right answer to everything. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. got a lot of feelings at this age seven and you want to respond in a way that's like healthy and like, you want to validate it. I just don't want to validate anyone for like 24 hours, you know? So <laughs> yeah. And, but even feeling like, asking for it is hard you know saying that you need a minute or a break or something all of that's really challenging I don't know why because my husband just went to a conference in Chicago last week and he's like going to a conference I'm like okay no guilt you know it's like I don't know it's different yeah for sure so on the on the subject of like your kids yeah how does like dealing with personal finances when you have multiple young children at home like how does that differ how can moms like do their personal finances like differently yeah I mean each additional kid right whether you have them one at a time or or two two at once I mean there's a lot of different things to consider and and one interesting thing that's come up is especially with twins you know you always try to treat them equally. Like I, for a long time, I had them each in one activity and I was like, okay, well, tennis costs this much and ballet costs this much. And they were like close. And it felt, Mm. you know, like I tried to, you know, I give them each the opportunity for the same allowance or, you know, all these different things. They go to the same private school. And so you, you try really hard to be equal, but as they get older, different things emerge, right? One child might have like a medical issue or one child might need additional therapy for, some something else and then it gets way skewed so I think when you have multiple kids I think it's good to to try to at least even it out but it's really hard to even it out money-wise financially to spend equally on each kid and yeah my husband and I we have a budget meeting once a month we kind of organize things budget meetings go way better than they did when we got married 11 years ago (laughs) it's a lot smoother now we got a lot of of practice in yay good work um, Yep. And, you know, even now, um, even even now, like at, at a higher income, we still ask each other if we're going to spend something over $50 that's like extra or outside. And we have like a little system now, but we talk about the kids and what to spend on them and summer camp and family vacations and all those things come up in our budget meetings. And the childcare thing, we're, we're past that part now, but that was a big discussion too, especially for moms adding a second kid. That's a big thing. Oh, am I going to wait till this one's five and in school? Do I have them back to back? Do I, you know, all of these things are big money conversations that have to happen. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. 
NerdWallet. Finance smarter. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. I love how you've paired, yeah, the money conversation and how you have to take children into consideration. So this is Jill talking for those listening. I have no (laughs) kids. And so even hearing you describe this, it's apparent to me how different it is to live for myself and my husband, what do they call that dink life? Double income, yeah. no kids. Yeah. Versus <laughs> maybe double income with kids. Yeah. I don't know if there's an acronym for that. Like the, there is a big pivot that happens and you are mm-hmm. responsible for people. You're responsible for keeping them alive and then yeah. fed and a roof over their head. And especially if you're not dealing with a large income, there's right. definitely a lot of money decisions that need to be made and conversations. And so this is absolutely a part of a mom's life, but just a person's life, a person yeah. with kids. So I love that you've paired the two and have made it a- approachable for, yeah, specifically moms who want to be empowered in this area. Sure. Mm-hmm. What do you say, like, when I see a lot of parents putting, trying to put, like, spending money on their kids is a priority over like investing money in themselves. So like they'll try and invest, they'll try and get their kid a car or invest in their college before they've invested in their own retirement or paid off their own debt. Like, and I can see how that would happen. Like you want to give your child a better life, but when you sacrifice your own finances, you're actually not giving that child a better life because they're going to have to take care of you. Right. What do you say to moms that like feel that way? Yeah, you know, I struggle with this too. Like, even just in little ways, like both of my kids' rooms are so cool. They Like my son has a super cool bed, it's like a loft bed, like, you know, they got all this cool stuff in there. And like our bed has like no headboard, like no, like, you know, it's like, I still have like the lamps I had like in college. It's like, we don't, like for us, it's nothing. For them, you get the cool bed, you know? And so I can see how that happens. You know, when you have kids, you place their needs above yours in the littlest ways and the big ways. Like, you know, if there's one cookie left, I'm cutting it in half and giving it to each twin. I'm not eating it myself, right? That's just basic, basic stuff. So then we get to more complicated things. And then eventually, right, the best gift we can give to our kids is to be stable and financially independent as we age. It's definitely challenging, right? And so... I mean, I would say, right, intellectually, the best thing to do is to make sure that you're prioritizing your own retirement. And if you can't do that and pay for your kids' college, then help your kids be responsible. But I know in practice, parents are going to want to lean into helping their kids. And so especially if you have young kids right now, this is something to think about. You know, this is something to look really hard at your income. 
Do I have an income problem versus a spending problem? Do I need to spend the next five to six years really focusing on my career, leaning hard? Do I need to switch jobs? What can I do? Because to me, the answer isn't, I don't prefer, oh, let's spend less or let's pick us over them. For me, my default is let's make more. What can we make? What can we earn? Like what business, what other business can we buy? What can we do? How can we optimize? Because to me, like my solution is always earning more so that this is not a problem and I can take care of all the things. And I think there's such a scarcity mindset and people are like, you know, I read something the other day, like this mom said, oh, my husband and I are going to retire at 70 instead of 65 so that we can pay for our kids to go to college. And to me, I'm like, my business brain is like, oh, but there's so many ways you could have closed that five-year gap. But that's, that's how I think. Mm-hmm. So part of, part of what I do is trying to encourage people to think a little bit bigger and again, kind of recognize their own potential and kind of erase any idea of uh, income cap or things like that. There's lots of ways to make money so you can achieve all your financial goals and more. Mm, I really appreciate the way that you're getting people to think bigger. It's not just about, mm-hmm. yeah, again, the grocery shopping, but yeah. this challenge, it, it, it's like expanding my brain to consider it as a better gift to give to your kids that you're not going to be financially dependent on them in retirement versus college if it comes down to that. It'd be great yeah. if we can figure out a way to have it all. But sure. these bigger questions that we should be asking yeah. rather than kind of just the the daily minutiae. Yeah. But that being said, I could see people in different camps, right? Some moms choose to work for money. Some some moms choose to just work and not get paid for all of the work that they do at home or whatever the situation is. Right. And you talk about this a little bit, like the childcare versus career Mm -hmm. dilemma. I know that this is this is another hot topic. (laughs) So we can certainly tread lightly. Um, But please share your thoughts on this and kind of what you describe in the book regarding this concept. Yeah, well, this, by far, this chapter was the hardest chapter to write, because I am so pro moms, like I want moms to make the decision that's the best for them. And I, I just felt like I just wrote this chapter a million times. And I had so many different people read it, like, am I coming across the right way? Am I coming across as supportive? Am I Am I coming across like I value both options? Because for me, I only work about 30 hours a week. I pick my kids up from school every day. So the whole time they've been born, I've been like half stay-at-home mom, half working mom. And so I kind of like, you know, have a toe in both worlds. So I feel like I understand both worlds. My biggest thing in this chapter was to educate moms who want to stay home if they are working and then decide to stay home that this is not a one number problem. So often moms say, well, daycare costs the same amount as my paycheck that I get. So I'm just going to stay home with my kids. But to me, I think much more broadly, and I think there are many more numbers you need to run. What does it look like when you step out of the workforce for five years, you lose your employer match? Are Are you the person that has health insurance you know, for your family, was there any other bonuses or a Christmas bonus you always use to buy gifts? And what raises would you have been eligible for in the next five to seven years? It's not just you today, the paycheck, you know, gets wiped out because of the daycare. It's you at 65 wanting to retire those five prime, five, six prime years of investing time in your 20s or early 30s. What would that amount have been? 
you know, in retirement. So, and remember, like I left the workforce to start my business. So all my benefits come from me. I, my own health insurance, I put my own money into retirement. I have no employer match. I am the employer and the employee. So all of these things I thought about when I decided to leave the workforce and I thought about my kids too. So sometimes the emotional decisions are more important, but I just wanted moms to run every number and to really think about it because it would really suck to leave your job and to go home. Well, now you've lost your income and now you feel broken. You feel stressed. Now you have a new baby. Now you feel like you can't take them to the zoo or a museum because you feel broke. And that's not fun either. So there's a lot more money considerations that go into it. Yeah. I think that as women and especially as moms, we may not realize how important it is to stay in the workforce and increase our incomes, even with kids. Yeah. Like Jill made this amazing revelation last night when we were hanging out and just like Googling. We we looked up. This is what we t- do when we. Uh, this yeah. is what we do. Is you guys a, are as cool as I am. Yeah. Uh, so we looked up the 10 richest women mm-hmm. and in the, the world. 10, in the world. And the 10 richest people, which, spoiler alert, the 10 richest people mm-hmm. are men, yeah. all 10 of them. And like, so we looked at the women first, and the women, all 10 of them, had inherited wealth from their grandfather, father, or husband. And so Jill was like, there's, there's no way the richest people in the world, most of them had, it has to be generational. Like, that just made, made sense. And so when we looked at the men, zero out of 10 inherited wealth. They had wow, all built it business. in their In their lifetime. lifetime all in 10 lifetime. men. And the amount of wealth that they had built in their lifetime was over double what the top 10 richest women in the world. Mm-hmm. All 10 were higher than even the top one woman in the world. Yeah. And we were even talking to Eric, who's interviewing at his job, and like the amount that women ask for is far less than what men ask for, even with comparable experience. Yeah. And so there's there's a wealth gap and there's a wage gap. And I think we need to and get away from- And there's a confidence from, gap. Yeah, we need mm-hmm. to get away from this ask for what you're worth mentality and just ask for more. Ask yeah. <laughs> if you ask for more every year. Because we're not good at assessing what our worth is. No, no. we are not good at that. <laughs> and just being sh- yeah. like working for more and then asking for more or going someplace that will, that will give it to you. Yeah. And, you know, and I talk about this in the book and, you know, everyone's like, well, how much do you ask for? And like, my answer to that is ask for a number that makes you highly uncomfortable. You should not feel good sending that email asking for whatever number it should make you want to throw up because it Mm -hmm. feels like so wrong. Because again, we are fighting against massive forces, multi-generations of cultural and societal pressures that tell us like where we fit into society as women and mothers. And every time we ask for more, we want to please everybody. We are the caretakers. We want to be well liked. We want other people to think we're a good woman or a good wife. And like, we're nice and we're generous and we're this. And ambitious women are often penalized. I, as an ambitious woman, I mean, when I say things, sometimes people don't like it, you know? Like, I've been working on the internet a long time with a lot of trolls, right? So, <laughs> again, you know, I like to kind of push the bounds of this stuff. And, yeah, 
you can't get what you don't ask for. Should they offer us the same? Yes. Should they offer us more than men because we're like way better at multitasking and way better at getting stuff done? Yes. But people aren't asking us and they're not giving it. So like we have to push for it. And every time I've sent off like big proposals and stuff, like I'm like, oh, there's no way they're going to say yes to that. Or I can't believe I asked for that much. And I never asked for that much. You should not feel good. It should feel bad. So we're so focused on feeling comfortable all the time and avoiding all conflict that we just stay in the safe zone. You got to push in order to make more. I love what you said. Like you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Like yeah. if you don't ask, you a hundred percent will not get it. And you have to have an abundant enough mindset to be okay if you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think this message is so much for the person, the mom who wants to stay in a career, wants to have an an extra expression of personhood to keep some semblance of self. There are certainly moms out there who say, but I I don't want to. I am so pleased to get out of the work that I was doing that was a burnout rate and my husband can work or my partner can work and, and that's great. But I even think for those moms and parents, I think that this is even a challenging conversation to say, but is there anything that you want to keep your feet in? Mm -hmm. Some type of expression of self and yeah, paid or unpaid, or maybe it moves to paid. I mean, you're describing cat freelance writing while you were still Mm -hmm. holding down other types of work. And so I think just expanding our mindset to say, if there's a part of you that says, I do want more, this doesn't feel like everything that I envisioned my life to be with kids, then yes, go for it. Get at it. If you are pleased with where your life is and you're staying at home, fantastic. Yeah. But I think just permission and freedom that these Mm -hmm. things are available to you. And don't think that your kids can't be a part of it. Like um, a lot of um, my two closest friends here are both stay at home moms. One has a PhD in physics and one has a degree in math. And they're both like so happy being stay at home moms. My kids love going to their houses because they have like all the things and all the craft. They do all the special things. They come to me and I'm like, fold your laundry. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) They love going over there because they're like so great at all the stuff. Right. But, you know, they get joy out of doing science experiments. Like, again, my friend, you know, she's like cancer research and all this stuff. Well, very happy being a stay at home mom. But she's like with my kids, like in a creek, showing them crawdads. So happy. Again, these are her passions, like flowing through and her making like basically like little teaching plans for the kids. She's not getting paid for it. But your passions can include your kids too. It's about like allowing yourself to pursue the things that you like and finding a way to incorporate it in your life. So there's just some variety to the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Well said. Yes. Like, oh, that was a noise. Just like, yeah, I need some variety. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of variety, I know exactly mm-hmm. how we can add some variety to this show. Okay. The The Bill of the Week! That's right! It's time for the best minute of your entire week! Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. 
Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the bill of the week. So uh, every, every week we ask uh, a listener or our guest to share with us their bill of the week. Do you have one for us? I do. I wouldn't have had one yesterday, but I have one today. Um, as I mm. shared earlier, we are recording this on my birthday. And so I want to share yes. that my birthday gift this morning from my twins, they each, I'll show you on our video, they each gave me a $1 bill for my birthday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> in a Ziploc bag, wrapped in a, <laughs> in a, Ziploc bag. Wrapped in a huge box that they designed with wrapping paper that they colored all over. And I found it hilarious. I also got a sparkly rock, but that doesn't fit with this, this show. Um, I thought it was hilarious. They, it must have been, I mean, to me, that was, that was a big deal. You know, they really enjoyed their dollars that I got one from each of them and that they decided wow. together. So I have two bills today. Two bills oh richer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I spend it wisely. Yeah, that's in the top 10 bills. <laughs> that is. Time. I wow. love it. It sounds like I your kids honest. know you well. <laughs> yes. This is what mom yes. wants. Money. Yeah. You've trained them well. And sometimes I think I overdo it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know. We'll I mean, we talk about what we love and we love money. Exactly. We do. I, I hope to get something like that from Kai one day. You will. You totally will. Yeah. Actually, like in the beginning of the school year, their teacher asked them to bring three things that they love to like to help kids, you know, the other kids learn about them. And my son put a bunch of dollars in his bag and he's like, I love money. I love Legos. I love money. And I love this. I was like, what? <laughs> first day of first grade maybe we shouldn't like hit it so hard you know hit everyone with it like let's let's add a tennis ball instead you mm-hmm. know it's like yeah I, I appreciate it but I don't want your te- I don't know what your teacher will think but like I said, sometimes maybe I overdo it. <laughs> someone, someone in a in an internet comment was like, "You should say you love the freedom of of money, the freedom no. that it brings, not that you love money." And I was like, "I'm sorry, I love money. No, I do. Like, I just, I I'm really a personal do. finance writer. I it would be weird if I didn't love money. Yeah, hate is gonna hate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love Legos and I love money out like, of the mouth of babes. Yeah, yeah, they're funny. Like I said, this age is. It's hilarious. (laughs) Amazing. Well, if you are listening and you want to submit your bill of the week, whether it's your twins bringing you dollar bills on your birthday (laughs) or literally anything else, because that's quite remarkable and unique, visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. 
NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And now it's time for... The Lightning Round. edition. Your sound effects are just amazing on this show. Thank you. It should come really, on more often. <laughs> I really think that that's why we are a top 100 investing podcast. <laughs> Clearly, it's a strength. Really, the sound effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So today's lightning round is a little different. Because we're on the topics of moms, mm-hmm. and Jill is not a mom, but you have so much wisdom to share with moms. I know you talk to moms all the time. Mm-hmm. Kat and I will be sharing a little bit of some postpartum or guilt-induced thoughts that we have experienced, maybe financially, maybe not. I think both of it, they're vaguely financially related. And then Jill will be giving us each a response in uh, how she would respond to somebody with the same Thoughts because I'm not counseling you. This no, is a podcast for entertainment. This is lightning round. This is the lightning <laughs> round. But I think when I was reading your book, Kat, and you mentioned about um, like postpartum depression, OCD, I'm like, it was not until I became a mom that I realized how common it was. Like yes. nobody talks about it when you're not a mom. And it's not until you've already gone through it and you're out of it that you realize, oh my gosh, I went through that. And so I really, my goal is to normalize this so much that we can almost laugh about it. Like you're not crazy. Yeah. Like you're not unstable or inadequate in any mm-hmm. way. This is just like weird hormones. Yeah. yeah. So that is the purpose of this, not to make fun of ourselves, but to normalize. <laughs> yes. This. Important. So Kat, as our guest, mm-hmm. d- give us anything. Yeah. Well, I, I shared in my book, and you know, It took me a couple years to get this book deal. And I think one of the reasons, you know, in hindsight was that I needed a couple years of space to tell the story. Um, But yeah, my my twins were preemies. We moved um, when they were five weeks old, which was like right around when a 40 week due date would have been. So they were tiny little five pound babies. We moved them across the country. My husband started his third year of medical school. It was basically like all of the, all of the things, like the perfect storm of things. And I didn't, I'd never been a mom before. So I was having just horrific, like unwanted thoughts, like terrifying thoughts about things happening to them, or like I'd be bathing them. And my brain would be like, just walk away, just walk out of the bathroom and just like, see what happens. And I'd be like, actively fighting against it. So it wasn't like what I imagined motherhood to be. I wasn't like, looking at, oh, my kids are cute, splashing in the tub, or I was battling all of these thoughts and fighting against them. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not walking out this room, but you feel so crazy. And I kept it all to myself, like, because I thought, well, everybody says having a kid is hard. I have two of them. I'm also by myself. My husband's working. I just became self-employed. I guess this is just what everyone talks about. Like, oh, sleep while the baby sleeps because it's really hard. I thought this was like how it was supposed to be. But I, what I described in the book is the first time my husband 
like watch the kids. Like I felt like, okay, I'm going to go right. I'm going to get my, my work back in order. I had taken like a, a six week self-imposed maternity leave. I'm like writing in a coffee shop and I start getting these, all these unwanted thoughts, which now I know is like postpartum OCD, which you have no control over the things that just jump in your head. And so I'm like calling my husband and I'm crying in a Starbucks, like crying. And I'm like, I just got this horrible image of something happening to the kids. And he's like, they're just bouncing in their bouncers. Like they're fine. And then he starts asking me questions like, well, how long have you been thinking about this? And I'm like, well, since they were born, I just, it all just kind of like, it just pours out. And he was immediately like, you know, Catherine, you need some help, you know, and I'm going to find someone for you. And he did, he, he did a bunch of like research and found like the right person for me and, you know, got officially diagnosed with, you know, PPD and postpartum OCD and started talking to a therapist and all of these things. And it really helped. I had, like no B12 in my system. Like I finally had like a whole like physical, like the whole thing. And, but I wish I would have done it sooner, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, luckily my husband is a physician and, you know, could immediately kind of jump in there, recognize things. Cause you know, who knows, it, you know, maybe other dads would be like, wow, it sounds like you need some rest or you need this. And he was like, mm, no, this is more, uh, we need to get you some help. And so, yeah, I'm very grateful to him for that. He, he's really like kind and he listened to me like as if I was any one of his patients and he took care of me. And I'm really glad that he did. Wow. Kat, thank you so much for your courage in saying this. I know that you are not alone and there's so many people who are probably like, oh my goodness, me too. And there's words for this and And yet it takes somebody brave enough to be able to say it, that, hey, this is actually what's happening. This is some of the reality where you've got other people feeling like they're in silos, isolated, thinking, I'm the only one. I must be crazy. And that's what happens when we're isolated is we think that's just our experience and no one else feels this way. But Thank you for saying it. Thank you for writing about it. And and I think some might be listening like, why is this on a financial, like, personal <laughs> finance podcast? Well, because we're whole people. And yeah. this comes into the equation of parenthood, motherhood, working, staying at home, dealing with financial decisions, like all of these things intersect and converge and affect one another. And if one area is not aimed at well-being, then it's going to affect all all other areas. And so to be able to create space to say, listen, you're not crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. There's a reason that this is happening, but we don't want to set up camp there. We don't want to forever live out of this place. And so I'm so thrilled to hear that your husband actually had his sights on, let's bring help into place. For some, this might be a you're fine. Just get over it. (laughs) It's like not the message that we want to be spreading necessarily. And sometimes that's what we speak to ourselves. But I think so much of what you were saying is reaching out for help, being able to say, listen, here's some of the dark thoughts that are happening. Just getting it out of our heads can help to take like the mystery and the legs out from under it. And it creates this space to then be able to respond to it. So anyhow, if I can pull anything out of what you've said to encourage other people, it's certainly, well, you're not crazy. And this happened for a reason. And 
say it, speak it out to a trusted person. There is no shame in getting some of that help like you described. So well done. Thank you. Glad that, that you got the help that you needed in that situation. Me too. And, you know, every chapter in my book starts with a personal story that tied to a money lesson. And I shared that story in a chapter where I talked about the importance of vulnerability. And, you know, mental health is just as taboo of a topic as money is. So in that chapter, I talked a lot about sharing your money, like if you're having money trouble, or even being vulnerable and sharing your, your money goals, your money wins. And the hard part about that is like, People might not have the reactions that you want, both the mental health thing or the money thing. And you might lose some people along the way who like can't handle things or have to set up boundaries. But that's kind of like why I shared that in a money book to kind of talk about the importance of vulnerability. Yeah, I'm so glad you did. Like when you were telling your story, I heard a lot of my story in it. Like when I had my son, I had no idea I had this idea in my head of what it was should be like, but I had no idea like what it was going to be like in reality. Like I knew it was going to be hard because people say newborns are hard, but I thought postpartum depression was just like feeling thoughts of like harming yourself Mm -hmm. or someone else or something. So I don't know if that would, that would be depression, but just thoughts of harming yourself, which I did not have. Right. So I just thought that I was being, I was tired. Yeah. Or overwhelmed. <laughs> and it wasn't until like looking back and having like some space between me and that season that I realized like I had postpartum anxiety and I like never got help for it Yeah, because we didn't, my husband didn't know, I didn't know, like nobody around us had experienced it or at least were, if they had, they hadn't talked about experiencing it. And Facebook was not helpful. Like everyone is sharing more on Facebook about like their stories and stuff. But I think we see more of like the extreme stories and mine was just like very under the radar. Yeah. Like I thought I would um, like, I have a group, like a accountability group that I meet with every week. And I was like, four weeks after Kai was born, I was like, I have to write a book because having kids and having more kids only gets harder. And so like, I have to write a book and self-publish it now because it's just going to get harder. And I need to be doing so much in my business because I took time off and all this and there and all these kids or all these, my friends with like older kids are like, no, it doesn't get harder. It gets easier when they get older. And I like just couldn't hear anybody like because I had all these thoughts in my head and so like now that it's like calmed down I really wish that I had just had people to be vulnerable with because I can see how it's so easy to make financial decisions in those first six months that you could really regret later on and it could be due to undiagnosed you know something postpartum and so thankfully my mistake was just trying to work too hard but, but yeah, man, I just wish it was talked about more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the thing that stands out to me in both of your stories is just the isolation piece, like the loneliness that can come, especially in those initial stages of motherhood and thinking you have to do it alone, which I think is such a societal piece and having those around you in your circle who aren't 
asking those questions. I think that's what's standing out to me the most is even like, Jen, like you do have people, but some of it is like your own permission to say these things or your own kindness towards yourself. And so I think having people beforehand, kind of having your sights on this and then go throughout motherhood, having people in your corner, trusted individuals, it might only be like one or two, maybe three if you're super lucky, but yeah, having a close community, like you said, Jen, that you can be vulnerable with, who you can invite into that place. I think that's one of the key components and protective factors of how you get through this. Because sometimes, like you said, you don't even know exactly what's going on inside of you. You just know, I feel a little off, but I don't even know how to describe it. So yeah, yeah surrounding yourself with trusted people is such a huge component. Yeah. Well, Kat, thank you so much for coming on and sharing thoughts from your new book. Where can people get more from you? Sure. Well, um, my book, Mom's Got Money, is available anywhere books are sold. And you can even request it from your local library if you'd like. And my website is katherineolford.com. There's a, um, a free like Mom's Got Money starter pack they can download on my website, which has some of the charts from the books and just some ways to get started if people are really at ground zero. I'm always on the gram. That's my preferred, <laughs> my preferred <laughs> social media. And I'm Catherine C. Alford on the gram. Awesome. And we'll have links to all those in our show notes. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Jen. And thanks for sharing your story too. And Jill for offering such kind advice. I love your voice is like so soothing. I'm like, can we try it again? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like you're so calm and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Kat. Ooh, that was a good like end of the episode. And the vulnerability present is beautiful, but I think also just the ability to encourage one another, talk openly within safety to be heard mm-hmm. and encouraged. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So glad for that. When having my second, I actually thought about this conversation several times and I was more intentional to take steps to see if I could kind of curb the experience nutritionally. I know I couldn't, you know, sleep is whatever. You're going to get what you want. You're going to get. But movement and nutrition, I really focused on on that stuff. And it was a lot better. It was combined with caring less, I think. I think I cared too much with my first. I think all new moms do. But then after you keep one alive, you're like, oh, I could I could do this. I don't have to be perfect. So that combined with, I think, maybe being more intentional with how it was fueling myself, I think made a big difference. But yeah, I definitely didn't expect so much for myself after this one. I still got a book deal right after. So I'm still writing a book after having a baby, which is something I said I'd never do again. But here I am. And every time you say never, it ends up being always. Mm -hmm. So you just need to stay away from that word or keep doing it. Use it to your favor. That's what I'm going to do. I'm giving up on it. We will never have a TV show. Uh, I 
can't, I'm not going to touch that one. Mm. Thank you so much for listening. We love, love, love reading your kind reviews. And we especially love this one from Nancy Gay. It's titled Finally. They say, I'm so happy I found a frugal podcast that is more than make coffee at home or bring your lunch to work. So many things they suggest I have been doing for years, which totally endears them to me. But I have learned a lot from them as well. Their chemistry is great and they're really funny. I listen on my way to work. Keep the frugal tips coming. We will, Nancy. That's awesome. Yeah. So glad to have you. So glad that clearly our minds think alike. You've been doing a lot of this on your frugal journey, and we're just happy to collect new friends along the way. If you are listening and you're a new friend or an old friend, and you want to leave us some kind words to help us find other new friends know that this is maybe for them and maybe some people can read those reviews and know it's not for them whatever it is leave your kind words in a review we're looking forward to reading them yes and we will see you next time frugal friends is produced by eric siriani Got some olive bread in the fridge waiting for me for lunch. Oh my gosh, that olive bread is so good, though. It's so good. With bread, or I'm sorry, with butter or oil. Bread with bread. Bread with bread. I'll do bread, bread on bread. Bread with bread. Yeah. Who was I with? Oh, Jack asked the other day. Jack's my four-year-old nephew. He asked for a hamburger without the meat. And we're like, so bread? he's like, yeah, but like bread on bread, no meat. And I'm like, okay, like you just want the top piece of bread and the bottom piece of bread. <laughs> and that's it. I I have served bread for dinner. Yes. As, as you should. For you, it it was a joke. For me, it has been my life before. It's not totally a joke. My... It's freedom and permission giving that sometimes we don't have mm-hmm. the protein, the veggie, the other side, the dessert. Yeah. Sometimes it's just bread and that's fine. Yeah. I try to make sure there's a protein, fat and carb on the plate, at least when I give it to him. It doesn't always get all three don't always get consumed, but I try to make sure that they're all there. Uh, but sometimes it's just bread. <laughs> sometimes it's just bread. And that's okay. You know, there's no protein or fat spread. I mean, if it's bread with butter, there's some fat or oil. Could do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See? I will, like, 90% of the time, I'll slap some peanut butter on it because that's protein and fat. But sometimes I just he doesn't want it or I don't have the energy and we won't, we'll pick our battles. We won't fight it. There's some momspiration for you. There you go. Pick your battles. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.